continuing on here, we've talked about the plan that we have for Sundays more often than, than maybe not. But God has another plan, and he's given it to us in this beautiful commandment. The question is, do we trust his plan over our plan? What's going to take us to, to be able to surrender our plan and accept God's plan? When we think about whose plan is a little bit wiser, <laughs> whose plan is maybe a little bit more complete, the problem is our plan is usually short-sighted. We're just looking at the next week, but God sees the bigger picture. He sees the whole picture, and he looks at things a little bit more long-term so that we can have a better life overall, not just maybe a better next few days as we're catching up for the, in the week ahead. But God sees the bigger picture, and it's probably a wiser plan. So which plan do you think we need to trust? Which plan do we need to surrender? It's a decision. It's something we have to come to and consciously decide on. Am I going to trust God's plan or my plan? This reminds me of uh, when my wife and I were newly married and I went out and we got a, a grill and I, I wanted to, to learn how to cook on the grill. And so I had my first few tries of chicken and we, we referred to my chicken and we still refer to my chicken from back then as caveman chicken. And this is the way the experience went. I, I stood out there and I, I got the charcoals nice and hot and put the chicken on there and the chicken fat started dripping down on the briquettes and, and the flames started coming up off of the briquettes and I didn't want the chicken to burn with these flames. So I stood there with the squirt bottle and I would squirt the flames down. And of course, as the chicken cooked more and more, more and more drippings came down and more and more flames. And, and at the end of it, I had this chicken that was black on the outside and had a bunch of ashes all over it from me squirting all of these charcoal briquettes and the inside was pretty raw. It was kind of disgusting. But this is the way I think, you know, I just got to work harder and I can, I can get this figured out. And so I'm cooking chicken one day and my brother-in-law is standing out there and he just starts laughing at me. He said, Ed, what are you doing? And I said, well, I want to make sure the chicken doesn't burn. And he said, Ed, shut the lid. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I know you're supposed to shut the lid, but I want to watch it and make sure that it doesn't burn. And so he watched me for a little while longer, and I'm working hard to try and get this chicken to cook right. He said, Ed, shut the lid. Finally, I just closed my eyes and I shut the lid and I was really nervous, but he said, just wait about five minutes. Everything will be fine. Five minutes later, he said, okay, open up the lid. And I did. And when I did, this beautiful golden chicken was baking. And the flames, there weren't any flames. It was all just baking very nicely. And I took it inside, and my wife said, Wow, what did you do different this time? This, <laughs> this actually tastes like chicken. I trusted in a different plan. I surrendered my plan for a better plan, a plan that was easier, and the results 
were better. Whose plan are we going to trust? God's plan or our plan? God's plan that allows things to turn out better and allows life just to taste better? Or our plan that exhausts us and causes us frustration and damaged relationships? Physically, it drains us, causes sickness. So instead of falling into that cycle of frustration, we have the freedom of trusting in God's plan. And when we choose to trust in God's plan, things turn out quite a bit different. We take time to worship and rest on Sundays instead of filling it all up. And because we've rested, we're much more effective and efficient in our work. We're, we're replenished and rejuvenated. And so when we start off the week, we're ready to embrace the challenges of the week and we make much better choices and more effective in our efforts. And because we're more effective in our efforts, we get more done. And how do we feel when we get lots of good things done? We feel good about things. We feel content. And we go into the weekend with a totally different attitude of, wow, it's the weekend and I can relax and enjoy the weekend. I can have that day of Sunday, that holy day. I can preserve it and protect it as holy so that I can have another good week the following week. A very different cycle when we set our plan aside and trust in his plan as he intended. It gives us clarity of mind and it allows us just to enjoy the beautiful things that God has given us and the fruits of our labor so much more. Now, the Sunday liturgy and the worship of God needs to be the centerpiece of our holy day of the week, our divine day of vacation. The God who created everything that we do enjoy, our relationship with him, he is the source of life. And we need to come and drink from the source of life on the holy day of Sunday. And Catechism instructs us and tells us about this in Catechism, paragraph 2177, which says, the Sunday celebration of the Lord's Day and His Eucharist is at the heart of the church's life. Sunday is the day on which the Paschal Mystery is celebrated in light of the apostolic tradition and is to be observed as the foremost holy day of obligation in the universal church. The Sunday liturgy is the time to go and replenish us spiritually. We need to know and, and realize and, and remember as God tells us that we're not just physical beings, we're spiritual beings and we need to replenish ourselves spiritually. We need to reconnect with the source of life in the Holy Eucharist, in the liturgy of the Word. And the Sunday liturgy is not something that's optional to do this and to do it well. Why does the church call it an obligation? Is it because it wants to lord it over us and pound us on the head and, and keep us in line? Or is it because the church loves us and knows what we need? When we do not come to the altar and celebrate the word in the Eucharist with God, we start to drift away from God. 
the wise, the wisdom of God, we, we lose connection with it and we start to replace it with the wisdom of the world. And so the church loves us and calls it an obligation so that we understand the importance of coming to the church together in the assembly of the body of Christ in the people. Coming and listening to the wisdom of God helps us to avoid the worldly confusion. And if we don't put coming to church first and foremost in our Sunday day of Sabbath, what kind of message does that send to the children in our lives? What is that telling them about what is important for you and therefore should be important to them? And when children start to get to that age where they're making some decisions about their faith themselves, if they don't see it as important in our lives, might they be more apt to, to think maybe it's not that important in their lives as well. And as they do this, if they, if they make this choice that it's not important and they start to drift, then it sets them up to be vulnerable, to be duped by the snares and the temptations of the world when they start to be disconnected from the wisdom of God. The Sunday liturgy, it is an obligation, but we shouldn't look at, at it so much as an obligation as maybe an opportunity. The church tells us in Catechism 2181, the seriousness of missing the Sunday liturgy. He says, it says, those who deliberately fail in this obligation, attending Sunday mass or the Saturday evening mass, commit not just a sin, but a grave sin. And the fact that it's a grave sin, and if we do it knowingly and willingly, it's a mortal sin, which means we need to make sure we avail ourselves to confession and the, the unending forgiveness of, of Jesus. But this is the importance of taking time on Sunday for worship. Not just taking time, but making time and making it the centerpiece of our day and everything else that we put into our Sabbath should be in relationship to how it helps us build up our relationship with God and with one another, not a distraction to it. Our Sunday liturgy shouldn't be something that we fit in if time allows, but it should be looked at not as an obligation, but it should be looked at truly as an opportunity. And if we see that this opportunity allows us to come to the altar and put our burdens at the foot of the cross, what an opportunity is that? And if we see the Sunday liturgy as a chance to come together with our, our fellow brothers and sisters in worship so that we can support them in their worship, we can celebrate with them, we can mourn with them, we can encourage and lift each other up. What a wonderful opportunity this is. There was, a, um, there was a young man who had an older, wiser friend that he would come to from time to time and ask him some of life's great questions. And one Sunday morning, he made his way to his friend's house, and it was a cold, blustery day, and his friend welcomes him into the house, and they sit down in front of this beautiful 
fire in the hearth. And they sat there in chairs facing this fire. And the old man says to his young friend, he said, young friend, what is it that brings you here today? What question is on your mind? And the young man says, my dear friend, God is everywhere. I don't have to go seeking God within the walls of a church. I can worship God everywhere. Is there a need for me to go and spend time in the church when I can be with God anywhere? And the old man stared into the fire. And after a few moments, he slowly got up and he walked over and he picked up the tongs next to the, the hearth. And he reached into the fire and he pulled out this glowing ember and he sets it off over to the side here. And then he returned to his chair. And the two of them sat there and they stared at this glowing ember. And in just a few moments, this glowing ember turned black and it was cooling down. And the old man gets up from his chair and he picks up the tongs and he grabs the black ember and he sets it back in with the rest of the embers in the fire and return to his chair. And when with just a moment or two, this ember, it was no longer black, but it was glowing again. It was feeding off of the energy and the warmth of the rest of the embers, and it was feeding the rest of the embers with its energy and warmth. And the young man got up from his chair and left and went to church. Coming together in the assembly of the people has so much to offer. You know, when we were going through the shutdown of COVID, what was it like to be at mass through the television? Was it the same or was it very different? It hardly compared to being at Mass, celebrating the Eucharist, partaking in the Eucharist, and being with our, our family at church. And when we have a loved one that we don't see very often, it's nice to pick up the phone or maybe Skype with them, but is it the same as being with them? It doesn't compare. We would much rather be with them. Being at church on Sunday bringing our burdens and putting them at the foot of the altar and celebrating the Eucharist with our brothers and sisters gives us life. We don't want to miss out on it. It's not an obligation. It truly is a wonderful opportunity. So making Sundays a day that's set apart, something different and better than just another day of the work, takes some practical steps to accomplish that. Now, Going back to the six days, you may labor and do all of your work. How does this actually happen? Well, you think of Murphy's Law, and, and he's got many laws, but one of them says, work expands so as to fill up the time allotted for its completion. So if we allow ourselves seven days to get all of our work done, guess what's going to happen? <laughs> it's going to take seven days. But if we say we're only going to do it in six days, that's a good start. 
we have to be practical about it here. And so here's a few practical steps. One is we need to set some reasonable expectations. What can we really get done in six days? And not add more onto it. Don't put seven or eight days worth of work in six days. Next, we need to plan ahead. So if we have that Monday morning meeting, when should we be working on it? We should allot some time, carve out some time on Friday to prepare for that meeting so that we can forget about it for the whole weekend and be ready for it on Monday morning. We need to plan ahead and get the groceries and the laundry and the yard work and the other things a little bit at a time throughout the week so that that gets done before Sunday hits. And homework, getting that done so that we're not having to do that on Sunday. I, I heard a talk on, on this commandment by a college student and this, this young woman explained of how her and some of her friends decided they were not going to do homework on Sundays. She said it was very hard at first to do that, but she said they got up on Saturdays and did it, and it took a while to get the discipline down, but when they did it, it freed up their mind for the entire weekend, and it was a beautiful thing for them to be able to just have the rest of the weekend homework free. So we just need to plan ahead. We need to look at those things that get in the way of us observing the Sunday the way that we, we, we are called to, and plan ahead for that and maybe take some things off of our plate set some reasonable expectations and then we need to look at some of those meaningless activities that chew up little bits of time here and there mindlessly sitting down and clicking on the tv with not any intentional reason for turning it on or pulling our phones out of our pocket and consuming 10 15 20 minutes going through the internet and social media and various things there's lots of little slices of time that are fairly meaningless during our week that we need to just learn to, to give up. And when it's hard to be disciplined, to give that up, we really feel like, oh, I just want to do this for a little bit. Think about your divine day of, day of vacation coming up on Sunday and think, do I want to jeopardize my divine day of vacation for some meaningless activity right now? So here are some practical steps, but to motivate us and drive these practical steps, we got to do something else. We got to look within ourselves. We got to change something from within ourselves here so that we can make a decision. Do I trust God's plan or do I trust my plan? And as we start to change our hearts and realize the opportunity that we're missing out on, we start to realize that we can prioritize some things different. Instead of the materialism and the accomplishments being the, the rule of, of the game, even on Sundays, we learn for at least one day of the week, we set that aside. And we prioritize our worship time and our liturgy and our relationships over accomplishments and materialism and all the activities that consume us on Sundays. So we have to make some changes with our priorities within our, within our hearts. And it's not going to come out of the chute being perfect. We have to persevere. We need to engage our family members in these conversations to say, how do we spend our days, our Sundays, differently so that we can be ready for the week ahead and we can be refreshed and replenished? 
And we need to persevere at this. And Satan wants us to give up at the, the first opportunity or the second opportunity to, to say, this is too hard, we don't know how to do this. But we need to persevere. It takes some practice to change some of these habits that we've fallen into. Now, I get the question sometimes as to what actually constitutes work? What should or should not be considered work? And the, the, uh, the Israelites, they came up with these ridiculous long list of picky, picky things on what they could and could not do and what constitutes work and what doesn't and so forth. But I think we need to kind of look at it a little differently. We, we, we need to make sure we don't lose sight of the purpose of this holy day. And so what constitutes work for some might not constitute work for others. We had some neighbors a number of houses ago that Bob and Florence, they, they really enjoyed working in their yard. They loved nothing more than to go out and fertilize the ground and prune the bushes and cut the grass and water the flowers. That was not work for them. Now, should they spend 12 hours on Sundays doing that work and be exhausted? Probably not. But that wasn't work for them. Now, for most of us, going out and doing yard work looks more like this here. We're just trying to get the job done. We don't necessarily not like yard work, but it's, it's just a checklist. It's something on the checklist that we have to get done. And we probably should be doing this on a different day of the week. Catechism helps us out here a little bit, too. The catechism tells us, on Sundays we are to refrain from work or activities that hinder the worship owed to God, hinder the joy proper to the Lord's day, and hinder the performance of the works of mercy, and hinder the appropriate relaxation of body and mind. So this is a good guideline for us as we look at what constitutes work and what doesn't. We don't want to get caught up in what does and what doesn't, but just be honest with ourselves. And if we suspect that it probably is work and something on a to-do list, it probably is. And we've got a better option somewhere else. Jesus tells us that the Sabbath is made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And so we have to look at the practical things that have to get done on the Sabbath. Unfortunately, there's emergencies and firefighters have to go and protect people and, and rescue people. We don't wait until Mondays to do this. And people get sick on Sundays and babies are born. And so we have medical professionals who work on Sundays so that people can be taken care of. And we have to eat, and so we have people who cook meals for us that we can enjoy and, and replenish ourselves with the food. If this is something that you're required to do as part of your work, make sure you don't lose sight of a Sabbath. Make sure you take time on another day of the week to observe the Sabbath, time for worship and rest and relaxation. And the Catechism points this out in paragraph 2187. And it tells us there, traditional activities and social necessities require some people to work on Sundays. But everyone should still take care to set aside sufficient time for leisure. So this commandment, this beautiful commandment, it's about family. It's about friendship and it's about the truly finer things of life. The things that we overlook so much that are truly the finer things of life.
And from the beginning of time, God put the seventh day into our week out of his abundant, superabundant love so that we can enjoy all that he's given us. It's truly a gift, a divine day of vacation every single week for us to enjoy. The perfect excuse to do nothing. I think that's a challenge sometimes. Sometimes we get so afraid of doing nothing that we fill up our time, but that's exactly what God's calling us to do, to do nothing so that we can be replenished and we can enjoy what he has given to us. It's a beautiful day to rest physically and spiritually, but it's mostly to rest in him, to rest in the lap of Jesus and to give him our burdens for the day. What a beautiful act of love that he gives us. So I encourage you to take some time and look at how you spend your Sundays, what it is that consumes your time on Sundays. And if there's some things that need to be adjusted there, take some practical steps to put those into place. Life will taste so much better. It won't taste like caveman chicken. It'll taste so much better. You'll be able to enjoy it. I encourage you to embrace it and protect it. And it's important that you protect it because all the enticements of the world will want to encroach upon it. Over the next week, and probably a good thing to do this coming Sunday as part of your Sabbath, do the action plan and the family activity. And the action plan this week is to write one action that you'll take to better dedicate the Lord's Day as a day for worship, relaxing, and for building relationship with others. And literally write that out. It'll be so much more meaningful if you write it out. And the family activity is to make some ice cream sundaes. And this time, not like the cupcakes where you sprinkled some dirt on them, this time you just get to enjoy them and just have a, a beautiful ice cream sundae and, and have a conversation with your children about the purpose of Sundays, why God gave it to us and what we should do with it. Next time, we'll continue our journey with the fourth commandment, honor your father and your mother. This is a beautiful commandment. Again, it's about families and family dynamics and relationships there. I think you'll be surprised at what this commandment is really calling us to do when you hear the beauty of what's behind it. Before we break into our last group conversation, uh, let's go ahead and have our closing prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Creator of the universe and Redeemer of our souls, give us your grace to grow in your commandments each day and your mercy when we stumble. You are the Lord, our God. We will not have other gods before you. We will not use your name in vain, but will glorify your name in all our words and actions. We will remember to keep holy the Lord's day by preserving it only for worshiping you, resting in you, and for relationship with family and friends. We will honor our father and mother and teach our children to do the same. We will not kill, but will honor and protect life from conception to natural death. We will not commit adultery, but will honor our bodies for the sacred purpose of new life. We will not steal, but instead cultivate a heart of 
generosity. We will not lie, but rather honor truth in our words and actions. And we will not covet our neighbor's spouse, and we will not covet the things of this world, but rather we will set our heart on building treasures in heaven. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So go ahead and break into your group conversations here, your group discussions, with the two questions, number three and four in your workbook. The first one is, what would your ideal Sunday look like, and how would you make it happen? And the last question is, what's the most important lesson you learned today that you need to teach your children and your grandchildren? Go ahead and break into your conversations now, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.